The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So one of the points, a number of points I'd like to make, some of them are repeating myself. So one is that for me it's been significant to realize that in the early Buddhist tradition, teachings of the Buddha, that he distinguishes between, he has two different words that can be translated into English as compassion. One is karuna, the one people most know, and the other one is anukampa. And anukampa is the basic kind of compassion that you would have going around your life and running into someone and feeling compassion for someone who, you know, out of compassion you would teach them, or out of compassion you would go shopping for them, or out of compassion you would sit and talk to them for a while. It seems like in the, in the Buddha's time, for him, it's the Anukampa is the one actually involved in actually doing something. And then there's another form of compassion, which is karuna. And in this old tradition, that was seen as being uh, something different, a little bit different, in that that was something almost entirely talked about in relationship to the compassion you have in meditation. And I think there's something special about the opportunity in meditation to cultivate compassion because it's a situation where it's obvious, hopefully, that in meditation you don't have to do anything about the suffering you're considering because you're sitting with your eyes closed. There's no problem solving, there's not, you're not cooking someone a meal, you're not taking them to the hospital, you're not, you know, you're not expected to actually do anything. Some people might not have patience for that because, you know, if they're suffering, you should do something and just sit, sit around, just sit around and look at your navel you know, quietly doesn't seem to be have much value. But I think there's a lot of value to understanding there's a place where solving the problem, fixing it, is not the name of the game. <clears throat> because it allows us to touch into simple compassion or clean compassion or compassion that's not quickly mixed up with um, our reactivity, our self-identity issues, our concerns about how it's seen by other people. There's a lot of different things that can, get, can get comp- make, make the whole situation of being, compa- being with suffering complicated. And we, all, we have the capacity to enter into the world of suffering with a clean, beautifully open heart that doesn't contract. And it's, so the meditation, what the meditation does is a training to help us find that simplicity. In the process of finding that simplicity, many times what we find is not the simplicity, we find how complicated our hearts are. And it's not uncommon for people who do these kinds of practices, love, compassion, loving kindness, to find themselves feeling the opposite of compassionate or loving kindness. They feel, they get angry or they get filled with grief or sorrow. And it's not, it's not a mistake for those negative feelings to come up. Uh, in fact, I would say that it's part of the function of this practice to, to bring to the surface those feelings that you have, that capacity you have to feel those things, so that you can come to terms with it, so you can look at it more carefully and honestly. So when these stronger so-called negative feelings come up, there's a number of choices you have. One is um, 
stop meditating. <laughs> and that's actually very helpful to realize that you can pull out. You don't have to stay in the middle of it. You can pull yourself out entirely and kind of, you know, go have some birthday cake. <laughs> the other uh, thing you could, you know, the other thing is you can, you can just switch over to doing mindfulness practice. So stop doing the compassion. Just do, be mindful. It's, inter- it's important what's arisen. You're feeling despair. So let's bring mindfulness to it. And that can be the most important thing you can do. Another option is to switch and direct your compassion or your loving kindness directly to your sadness. And somehow relate to it that way as opposed to relate to sadness with, oh, poor me, or this is terrible, or I'm supposed to be doing compassion, and this is, I'm just, you know, I'm a compassion failure. Um, Rather than all these reactive kind of uh, judgments, it's just, okay, let's, you know, just look at it, be with it in a compassionate way. So to bring your compassion towards that. So there's a number of choices, and exercising choice is a very helpful thing to do because it begins showing us that we're not mired or stuck in what's going on. So if the so part of the function of the practice is to reveal the places that's difficult. So don't feel discouraged by that. Actually, hopefully, you can be welcoming if it does happen. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is that with all meditation practices, I like to to think that we're, we're being asked to use all our intelligence. Meditation is not a matter of uh, you know, dumbing down <laughs> and, uh, you know, and only using you know, certain capacities, but we use all the capacities that are available to us in the service of becoming peaceful, the service of overcoming suffering, or the service of being compassionate, the service of getting still or quiet. And so as we do in compassion practice, in, the, in that it helps you to engage in the practice, help you engage in a steady way, <clears throat> it's fine to use your imagination. It's fine to use your capacity for, for visualization. It's fine to even use your capacity for reflection and evaluation to understand what's going on and kind of think, well, is this, is this a different way I can do it? How do I do this? And if it's all in the service of the practice as opposed to the service of getting agitated or getting kind of removed or pulled away. And so the idea that you're using all of yourself bring, you know, is a, I think it's, for me it's been a helpful thing and as you bring all yourself, it might be certain things you realize, oh, now I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to keep thinking about it because that, now I keep thinking about it just not helpful. But, but then, we, then we let go of my thoughts. But maybe I keep the, the image or the imagination. And compassion practice does involve using your imagination to some degree or other because it involves bringing to mind someone who's not present. And unless, it's, unless you're doing compassion for yourself... But even then, probably it's a little bit your, your imagining of who you are because maybe the, your current suffering is not happening here and now exactly, so you have to remember the difficulty or something. So, uh, so it's okay. So imagination is part of this. And once you open up the idea of imagination, then um, it's a wide field. It's a big field, imagination. So how much imagination do you use? Uh, do you, are you kind of this, you know... Uh, Kind of, you're very rational and logical, and you know, and you know, nothing fluffy kind of person. And so, you know, or are you someone who loves the wild, you know, creative visualizations that they do in Tibetan Buddhism, where you have a whole scenario and scene, and 
you know, so, so how do you, so what, what do you do that helps you to get into it and, and supportive? So, but you, as soon as you bring up the idea of imagination, it opens up the field. And maybe that idea that we're using our imagination to some degree um, helps you also kind of loosen up or open up or, or, um, or be a little more creative or be open to possibilities and, and, uh, and less inclined to fall into it has to be a certain way. Kind of just let's, let's see, let's explore, let's see what is going on here. Make some sense? So with that as an introduction, I'm going to lead you on an and a, a compassion practice meditation that clearly uses your imagination. <laughs> and um, so, um, so I'll first kind of help you get settled in, maybe, hopefully. And, and then at some point when it feels kind of quiet and ready, I'll offer you the, the exercise. So it is after lunch. Some of you might want to consider sitting up straighter. And some of you might want to consider spending a minute or two focusing all your attention at the base of your spine and then slowly letting your attention go up the spine and even making small adjustments to your spine so that there can be maybe a little bit more energy alertness expressed in your spinal column. Feeling how the weight of your body sits on your vertebrae so it's balanced. Not, the weight's not in front, the weight of gravity is not in front of the spine. And it's particular in this part of the spine between the shoulder blades. <coughs> Not straining or forcing any change, but there's some way that you can feel a little more alert and the weight balanced on the spine between the shoulder blades. And then, perhaps still feeling the spine, taking some long, slow, deep breaths, filling your torso with air. And then as you exhale, relax all around your spine, keeping it straight. As you breathe in deeply, maybe feeling the movement of your spine, the stretching, bending, lifting. And then relaxing. And then letting your breath be normal.
taking a few moments to refamiliarize yourself to what your breathing is like. <clears throat> Breathing in, breathing out, feeling your breathing. If it's possible to make small adjustments in how you breathe, so your breathing is more relaxed or open or fluid. Not trying too hard, but just very gently. Helping your breathing become freer. As you breathe in, if it's possible, let your stomach, especially the base of your your pelvic cavity, deep down, low, as you breathe in, let that place relax, receive, open up with the expansion of breathing in. As you breathe out, see if you can soften your shoulders and shoulder blade area.
switching to the exercise in compassion. See if you can bring to mind some area of your life, some difficulty that you have, perhaps some difficulty with another person. Maybe a person who's angry with you or in conflict with you, it's difficult to have been conversation. Perhaps it's the challenge you have of being with someone who is suffering a lot in pain or distress. It's a challenge for you to be with that person. Think of some situation where it's really challenging for you. And then imagine that you are somewhere in a house or a building someplace in a room and you're with this person. And as you're with the person, all the difficulties are all there. Challenge of the conversation, the challenge for you to be with the person, the challenging way the person is with you. Maybe imagine you're in a bit in a room someplace. Maybe you can imagine some of the ways it's played out in the past is playing out now. Maybe you can get an image of the situation, what it looks like, how you are. Maybe you can remember and even feel how it actually, how how this difficult situation actually feels for you. As you're having your difficult encounter, you hear someone knocking on the door. And so you excuse yourself from the person and you go out to the front of the building house and you open the door to see who's knocking. And to your surprise, they are standing there is a person who's the embodiment of compassion. Could be the Buddha or Mother Mary or Avalokiteshvara, Dalai Lama. Some person that you can think of or some being that is the full embodiment of compassion and care and kindness. And you see very quickly that this being of compassion understands your situation all too well, sees your distress, your difficulty that you're in. And this 
being of compassion, offers to take your place. And you agree, but then you're surprised that the way that the being does this <clears throat> is you switch bodies. And the being of compassion enters your body and wearing your body, this being of compassion goes back into the room where the difficulty is, this difficult person, this challenging situation. And then see if you can, what, what comes up to you? How do you imagine that now this being, a great being of compassion, how would they be in this situation? Even before they talked and did anything, what would be in the heart what would they, of this being of compassion as they encounter the difficult person? And since the being of compassion is in your body, how does your body feel? What happens in your body? What feelings, sensations come up in your body when the embodiment of compassion is engaged in a difficult situation? What's the heart like? What's the mind like? How is it to be engaged in this situation? The heart and body and mind of great being of compassion. And after this being of compassion has been in the situation with your difficult person for a while, the being of compassion excuses him or herself and leaves, goes out of the room and out to the front door where you've been waiting. And there does the magical changing of bodies again. You find yourself back in your own body And this being of compassion is about to leave. Before leaving, pull something, an object, out of his or her pocket and offers you a gift. See what this gift is and receive it. Look at it.
What is a being of compassion? What is a being of compassion given you? And then the being of compassion <clears throat> reaches his or her hand out and touches a part of your body with kindness and compassion. What part of your body does this hands of compassion touch? And finally, the being of compassion leans forward to tell you something and tells you something very short, important, just for you. If you listen, what is it this being tells you? And then you bow and thanks and thanks and gratitude. And somehow feeling that this has been a significant encounter, you go into a quiet room in the house and you sit down. <clears throat> just be with yourself a little bit and be with what just happened. Feeling your body, your heart, Reflecting a bit about this experience.
And again, to end this sitting, you can take a couple of deep breaths, feeling your body from the inside, feeling the chair and the floor, your cushion. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. It's not so uncommon for some people to believe <clears throat> that what we know, what we think about, what we understand is just the tip of the iceberg of what our mind is capable of. <clears throat> that our minds have, a, you know, have. A Tremendous capacity for processing and understanding and for decision making and for that sometimes is <clears throat> below the surface of a conscious mind. So, like, you know, sometimes you know something before you've thought it. And um, sometimes there are sources of wisdom and intuition that are not, you know, that are born out of something a little bit more subconscious or not so considered or thought about. And one of the ways to tap into it is sometimes in meditation. And sometimes these kind of guided <clears throat> journeys of meditation where you go someplace and, and, um, and you ask a question. I mean, it could be a, it could be a ordinary Dharma question. It could be you get calm and settled and then you say, you know, um, let me learn something new about impermanence. And then you don't do anything. But then something, you know, that question goes in someplace deep and out of that depth comes something new, understanding. And in fact, if you thought about it, you probably wouldn't, you know, something deeper wouldn't come. Or, or if you sit and do compassion practice <clears throat> and you just kind of randomly, seemingly randomly, just kind of name different people you feel compassion for and just go through a list of people and just kind of see whatever pops up, names, after a while, you might be surprised by the names that pop up. It's not names you would have thought about on your own. But your deeper mind somehow says something or speaks something that's important or significant that comes out. Anyway, so that guided meditation was a little bit uh, pointing to that possibility that if you, sometimes if you do these little imaginary journeys <clears throat> and have some kind of, some, ask a question or do something, that something from deeper inside could come out. So there was two parts of that meditation that was hopefully interesting for you. One was, <clears throat> if you're able to call forth a being of compassion <clears throat> and change bodies, could you get a sense or feeling of what it was like to be in the body of a being of compassion in the context of a difficult situation as opposed to how you would normally be? So would that teach you anything or show you anything? of interest. The other is that as the being of compassion was leaving, the being gave you something, touched you, and said something to you. If this, if you were, could follow that along, 
was there actually an object given and do you know what that was? And were you surprised by what it was? I didn't tell you what it should be, except that it was pocket size. <laughs> and in terms of, you know, touching your body, were you surprised or, you know, what, there's a variety of choices. Your little toe? <laughs> Probably no one touched your little, none of them touched your little toes. So, you know, where, where, you know, what, what, you know, and then, and then a little bit harder, of course, but did they say anything to you? Did that anything pop up that needed to be said or that maybe a surprise or interesting? And so that was kind of the, you know, and I know some people, this kind of guided imagery or that kind of imagination doesn't really work. And there's nothing wrong with that, being a person that doesn't work. Um, it's uh, fine. I mean, just different ways. As I said in the morning, there's different... Different, what, different, the inner ecology works differently for different people. I just, you know, if I wasted your time for half an hour, I apologize. But there's nothing wrong with you that, that that's the case. But hopefully something interesting came up in relationship to this. <clears throat> so what I'd like to um, ask <clears throat> is that you uh, find one other person here and, uh, and tell each other what came up, what happened. And uh, you don't have to. You don't have to tell the, your partner uh, everything that happened. If you feel this is kind of tender or personal in some way that you, don't, you actually prefer not to share it too much, you don't have to give all the details. Just you know, say what you feel comfortable with. Share something about it. And when you listen to the other person, listen with some uh, respect and care that they're sharing. You know, you're, maybe you'll be sharing something that's kind of personal. And, who knows what came up and what happened in this. So just share, share what happened to you in this meditation. And um, I'm not sure if we're odd or even, but I think somebody came in kind of in the end of it, right? So you maybe missed most of it. So why don't we see, why don't, you, why don't you hold out? And if there's a even number, let the people who did the whole thing do it together. And if there's an odd number, you can be the, the extra person for, to, to, to even it out. So, um, so if you don't mind, if you... We'll do, just have about 10 minutes to have the conversation. And-